Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, <laughs> How's welcome. Going? I'm good. How welcome, are you? Welcome. Oh, uh, just kind of uh, silly, I think, is was what's going on today. <laughs> yeah, I think. Our, yeah, just lots of giggles, lots of what the heck is going on, guys. I think that's what's going on. <laughs> COVID what? <laughs> We're not holding out much hope for today. <laughs> oh Stick my with gosh. Us. We, <laughs> we've got a low bar. Yeah. As we're fast approaching the end of the year, I think maybe energy levels and madness are coinciding with each other. <laughs> I think so. Um, <laughs> absolutely. So you have a bit more freedom this week, though. I do. I've had a, a quiet weekend without any children in the house all weekend. Oh, whoop, whoop. Wonderful. <laughs> and does that mean like less chicken sticks? Is yeah. That- yeah, yeah, we don't have to eat chicken. In fact, I had roast beef yesterday cooked <gasps> by my man and it was absolutely delicious. He did well. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. So it sounds also like you had a really nice memorable weekend. I did. It was very nice. We had lots of squirmy food, mm. maybe a couple of drinks past my lips. <laughs> and uh, yeah, lots of chill time, some Christmas movies. Just, yeah, I had a really nice weekend. Oh, Anna's cat is joining in the podcast again, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I lost the screen. My cat is just trying to um, have a cameo. Ooh. Yes, absolutely. Anna's <laughs> cat is fun. on the mend and um, getting back to her star performance of um, guest podcasting. Oh my God, I can't tell you. She is just, she's making up for last time. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And every time she walks across my keyboard, then something kicks off. Like that's yeah. either the sound goes, or the screen goes. So anyways, we may or may not have a podcast by the end of this thanks to my cat but yes she's back on the mend she's just fine <laughs> and how are you how's your weekend been oh thanks for asking I think it was actually quite quiet um we had cancelled our trip mm. um like I think everyone's every sensible person should do because of the public health directives and yeah. so we're in for the holidays just the two of us trying to keep each other sane trying not to I don't know get divorced so that's kind of <laughs> kind of be the main objective for this holiday but weirdly enough a lot of work is kind of like busy work is kind of crowding and you know whenever you when you don't book or take time for a holiday mm. just stuff will get in the way you know yeah. how that goes so that's kind yeah. of what's happening kind of this creep of like oh well here we might as well just do work yeah I think you have to be quite intentional about your time off don't you oh, to make yeah. the most of it and get it is important to recharge the batteries a bit and just have some time out absolutely and that's going to be a, a real struggle because like a staycation is not the same fun concept as before COVID right staycation is there's just so much less yeah, I guess. So that's my low energy speaking. Like I'm looking at like, okay, there's a lot less to do, but then, so there are things that we are doing that we've never done before. So there's this beautiful outdoor light installation festival that we went to uh, mm. over the weekend, which we would never would have gone because it's actually really appropriate for kids. And yeah. that's great. As adults, we'd never sort of seen it as something to do, but because we have nothing else to do, we went there. <laughs> and we're also going to be looking at some ice skating outdoors. So again, we've never nice. done it before, but hey pretty excited about that. So, you know, we're just 
trying to make some fun things and schedule that in intentionally stuff that we would never have thought of because a lot of the stuff that we used to is off the books Mm. and um yeah just trying not to get divorced (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is always a good aim to have when you're married we're on a skating edge (laughs) yeah every day it's like oh god we're rather close (laughs) but as usual we just want to tell couples it's really really hard it's really hard we're in the thick of it me and my dude we're like we're just hanging on by a fingernail and we're just hoping for better days ahead in 2021 yeah and we can get there yeah definitely Mm -hmm. although i'm not quite sure that things will just magically change once the first of January comes oh, around. <laughs> I think we've all got this vision of 2021 is going to be like yeah. so much better. But actually, yeah. in reality, I read some quite depressing news at the weekend that said we'll yeah. still have social distance and measures in for at least another year because it's True. going to take that long before everybody's had vaccines and uh, yeah. reached any kind of level. So that really depressed me. <laughs> yes. And, you know, as a doctor, if I can just plug. Yeah. Get the vaccine. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Anyways, that's my soapbox moment. <laughs> that was a lot uh, shorter than the last time. I had a real long soapbox moment on, on it vaccines was, a while it ago. It was, indeed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm wondering if the International Desk of Love is popping with uh, similar news. What's going well, on? Well, it's COVID-related. Oh, good, good, good. So, I read something in the, at the weekend about um, some of the issues that women are facing in Hong Kong because of lockdown so there has been an increase of 50 percent of people being duped by online scammers because there's a lot of people in hong kong who it was talking about the different culture and how the culture is that people don't have to concentrate on their studying and and Mm. get a good job and don't and they're not you know uh, women are told to not be actively seeking relationships really focus on achieving this status and getting to where you should be in your career and your education Mm. so as a result of that they're not very experienced when it comes to dating and then there's a tip that happens then once they're in their mid-20s where there's then this pressure to start a family and start producing and so then because of that they're then kind of going into this frantic dating search and because of lockdown I haven't been able to go out and meet people in the same way. So there's a lot of people turned online and scammers have taken advantage of that. So 681 people have been duped between January and September. And they said the amount of money that they've been duped out of. So this is where you get those letters where they say they strike up a relationship and then suddenly their child needs to have a major operation and people hand over like thousands and thousands of pounds. And they said something like 168 million pounds had been handed over and that was Hong Kong dollars, that was. I'm not sure what the time period was, but it clearly shows how they were saying about the loneliness and vulnerability was all just playing in and had been worsened because of um, lockdown. Oh my gosh. It's very sad, isn't it? Whoa, yes. I can just think though, like this beautiful optimistic spirit though, and this, yeah. this real sense of wanting to help. Yeah. Even though you're ultimately wanting your, you know, for yourself to have a relationship, but that mm. this altruism comes out and yeah. unfortunately is to be taken advantage of. It can mm. be taken advantage of, but there's, it really speaks to a beautiful spirit when people yeah. are looking for love. But it's so bad, isn't it, that people can take advantage of that. So it said how they like really gen up on your social media, things that you mm. say so that they can then pretend to like similar things and create this 
artificial relationship that just doesn't exist until you've paid them, you know, a lump of money and then suddenly they disappear and that's that with your life savings. That's devastating. I think it also highlights as well the cultural differences and how, you know, the societies that we're in can create mm. these pressure points for people. Yeah. Which I'm sure isn't the intention behind it, but this is then the outcome that happens as a result of that. That's a really good point. Yeah, no, I mean, if there is a, a real effort to delay folks in, in terms of getting experience in dating and really getting mm. out in the world and and just really sort of meeting people and and kind of developing a bit of a thick skin or or maybe a common sense about genuine versus scam. Yeah. And that's a really hard lesson that we all have to learn. Like mm-hmm. it, and it's a really hard lesson to to sort of not open those very convincing emails yeah. <laughs> that yeah. look like there's uh, you know, somebody wants to know your personal information. Yeah. That's a very sad unintended byproduct of that actually. Yeah. Yeah. So beware listeners, if you are single, yeah. no matter how much you might really want to be in a relationship just be aware that not everybody is as they would seem online yeah oh yeah you know and I love that one and that gets into our lane because we want folks to know that they are absolutely enough and that they deserve a lot Mm. I was just speaking to somebody over the weekend who again quite young and and in a relationship and the relationship is just really being mistreated Um, and she blames her young age. She says, oh, I'm not experienced enough. It's my fault. Mm. You know, I'm sort of the weak one in the relationship. But she has no idea of what she actually deserves. Yeah. And, you know, in the case of this scam situation, you don't have to shell out a bunch of money for somebody to like you or to marry you. Yeah. yeah. You just have to show up as yourself to that person who is going to nurture all the good things of you and your values mm. and your purpose and stuff yeah but so few of us are actually connected to what we're worth if we knew what we were worth we would not fall for these scams because yeah. we'd be like i don't have to pay you money i'm pretty awesome myself yeah sometimes it just comes down to people's personal nature though as well doesn't it because if you are the type of person that wants to help and you trust other people then that's the place that you're going to be coming from so it's not always mm. about well, I didn't know my own worth. I didn't know that I could say no. You know, it's not always about those skills that sometimes we don't develop till later on in life. It can just be that you're a very trusting, nice person and you wanted to help somebody and you just genuinely believed that they were oh, the real deal too. That's so true. Mm. Having lived in, in Delhi and New York, I'm like, I trust no one. So I can't even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Is, is, um, not everyone comes from a place where there's like a scammer behind every corner. Yeah. So that's very, very true. It's just a good, kind, loving soul that wants to help. Yeah. So yeah, so that so in that case, maybe it's not negative messaging about yourself. Maybe it's just you're a nice person. So just take it really easy and on yeah. online dating that there are yeah. scammers out there. Yeah. Just be a little bit aware. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, that's a really nice, that's a nice start. COVID related. Yes. Yeah. A little bit of trivia. That's Mm. interesting. Thank you. So, hot topic. Yeah, let's go. Mm. Okay. (laughs) I think this is going to be something that we're both going to have a different perspective on. So it's going to be an interesting one. So the hot topic is, should you go back with your ex? I think you're right. I think we need to get the boxing gloves out. We've been waiting for that <laughs> celebrity death match for a long yeah. time. Yeah. So do you think that we're going to have an opposite view on this? I do, yeah. Oh, 
Okay. All right. Okay. So who wants to show their cards first? I don't mind. <laughs> okay. Go for it. <laughs> There's a bit of a Mexican standoff right now. There totally is. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So I think that I'm always going to try and be a little bit objective, but I think my own personal experience would tell me that it's not worked for me in the past. Mm. But I guess if I try and put an objective hat on, then you know, maybe kind of look to see both sides of the story. But I think in my experience, it wasn't working. It was never going to be right. And when we tried it again the second time around, it still wasn't right. Yeah, yeah. And so all the reasons, reasons. yeah, so all the reasons it was wrong in the first place were still there the second time. Absolutely. But there was, I don't know what it is. You get the kind of attraction or the willingness or the desire for something to work almost takes over your sense of reality. And you don't mm-hmm. see things, as we know, through kind of a, the coaching world, you don't see things through the right lens. You're not clear enough because you're clouded yeah. by, you know, a desire to be with somebody and a desire to make something work and not be a failure at something. So there's all of these things that are caught up and um, fear of the future. So fear of what yes. it might look like. So there's a lot of insecurities, I think, that come out. But yeah. the reality is it wasn't right in the first place and you haven't done anything to fix the things that yeah. weren't right. So surprise, surprise, you're going to get the same result. Yeah. I, I mean, it may surprise you, but I totally believe in you. <laughs> it's just that my personal life, I've taken the absolute opposite view or the absolute opposite action. But you're so right. I completely believe in that because when we get back together with an ex, we are making oftentimes a fear-based decision. Yeah. We're acting out of our grief. We want to put a band-aid and soothe our grief as soon as possible. And the easiest way to do that is just to go back with our ex. Mm. Because whenever we go back, there's that flush of new and excitement and everyone's on their best behavior. So it feels great. I have personally experienced that several times, (laughs) many times. (laughs) I have actually gone back to exes quite a lot, (laughs) quite a lot including my dude. We had a legendary breakup for like over two years. Um, Then we got back together again. But the thing is, is that we actually got back together again at least once before we actually got back together again. And that was a failure where I experienced the exact same thing. I was like, in fact, we didn't even get back together again. I said, we started talking and I was like, oh my gosh, you still feel and act and think the same things that you did. So no, this is not going to work. So (laughs) then we put it on the back burner for months, but then finally got back together again. So the thing is, is that yes, we got back together again. And yes, we are married. But the same issues are still there. The only thing that I would say is that by some strange miracle, and I do not see this happening in the majority of times for anybody. But for some strange miracle for now, for now, I don't know about next week, but we (laughs) have committed to working on the issues. We know what the issues are. And some of the issues we still don't know, we're still like in a cold war about. But I think for now, and up till now, there has been a commitment to working on it. Mm. But I wouldn't recommend it to most people. (laughs) Yeah. Because, I mean, what was the thing behind us getting back together again? Was it a cosmic knowing that we were sort of matched in a divine way? I don't know. Or was it my fear talking? I don't know. For now, it's working. Mm. It's been working for the last, you know, five years or so. And what do you think has been different than, so this time when you got back together, what, how was that different from the last time? Ah, very good questions. So I remember that decision every day, the decision to come back together again. So this 15, 16 year old saga of this relationship that's been on and long distance, and then it was off and then now it's back on. 
whenever we hit, hit a rough patch, I remind myself and I remember all the other rough patches, remember your decision to have a go at this and to mm. make it work. So, you know, that wasn't a frivolous decision. So you may want to just cut and run right now, but there was a reason why you made that decision. There's a little, little bit, like a pinch, there's a pinch of like an ingredient that you don't want too strong in your recipe, but just a little bit. There's a little pinch of, Anna, you tried to find somebody else and you didn't find somebody. So you're not going to go out and find somebody else better now. <laughs> so you might as well just stick with what you've got. That sounds really bad, but in a way it, there's, <laughs> there's kind of like a, there's a resignation to the fact that there's not a lot of like amazing options. Like there's something about this relationship that we really, that desire, that brings us to the table. We really, really care. For, like there, we, we have an attraction for each other. We really like each other. Mm. We keep coming back to the table. We'll, we get knocked down, we come back out. So there, there's a staying power and a, you don't have to find the best person in the, out in the universe for you. You just have to find somebody who can work with you on this, who's a good teammate. I, that doesn't sound very romantic, but really... <laughs> You're like, wait, the, the romance is going. <laughs> Somebody just, she just keeps, keeps working on it with you. Yeah. Because that's all this is. It's just, you know, keep working, keep learning, hit rough patches. And then the third one is a friend of mine uh, from med school, who's now a very renowned psychiatrist. He um, shared with me a book called On Desire. Now, I'll admit to you, I never read the book, but I actually <laughs> remember what he said of the book, which is when you find your desire for another fading always remember the desire that you had for them in the first. And that's something that's really like, you know, we fall out of desire of a lot of things. We sort of really love something or really attracted to something or somebody. And then we kind of just get bored of them and then we kind of leave them. Mm. But there's something about remembering that and having a visceral sense and tactile sense of that desire that we had, which is really important because it's actually been a real nice anchor for me in my relationship is yeah. to remember and to kind of tune back into that desire that I have for this person, that sometimes the clouds can kind of cover mm. over that desire on a somewhat rainy day in our relationship. Yeah. It works for this week anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like there's been a few things, but that one of the key things is actually yeah. committing to it and not cutting and run. Yes. So really working on that pattern, which is yes. that pattern to, to run away. So there's the commitment to actually stay together and work on it. There's the remembering why it is that you were attracted to each other in the first place yes and and then it's about working on those issues as they come up knowing that it's not going to be plain sailing oh absolutely yeah and knowing that there isn't somebody better out there who mm. will magically make it so that i don't have to communicate or work on issues <laughs> so if you're going to put effort in you might as well put effort in with somebody who you trust who you share oh yeah wait i didn't mention oh yeah we we share common values i trust him he's a good mm. person yeah i like the way he shows up in the world i like the way he shows generosity to his friends family to coworkers, and others he's just a genuinely wonderful thoughtful intelligent and generous soul so there's that stuff too <laughs> that that one sounds a lot better than the first reason <laughs> doesn't it though <laughs> oh my gosh I know that I should front-end it with that but basically you know if I have a good person somebody who I trust who you know things like financial decisions I'm very happy with the way that we make finance I find him very prudent with his mm. money which is not common. Finances can be one of the biggest yeah. damaging things in a relationship. Yeah. We used to always, when I was married, that's one of the things we argued about was money. Gosh, yeah, right? Yeah. And I think now there's a lot of people will be challenged in 
with finance discussions with a partner because of just the time that we're in and the additional pressures that are being placed on people. Ah, yes. Mm. So actually that's interesting because so if we think about this question, like, should I get back together with my ex? I would actually tell people that don't do what I did (laughs) as a reflex because it's very rare to work out. If it does work out, great. But actually, to your point, I think I would actually take your approach, which is really, really dive into what are the influences behind your decision? Mm. Are you making an opportunity-based decision or are you making a fear-based decision? Yeah. And and really look into who you are, discover who you are. You've, you have a gap in time. Should I get back together with my ex kind of presumes that you're single at the moment. So you have an opportunity to start to dive in and to do some inner work, which can help to sort of open the eyes and just like you're saying, come to this decision with a different set of lenses. Yeah, I think the best relationships come when we've when we've spent time working on who we are. Yeah. Because a lot of the time, the stuff that's coming up in the relationship, you're just going to take that to the next relationship. Yes. So if there's something that you are not great at and never fares well for you in the relationship, that's a sign that you need to do some work on it because the next relationship, it's going to show up again. It might show up slightly differently, but it's going to be there. Oh, gosh, true. It's not going to have suddenly magically have disappeared because that's just not how life works. Yes. But to be clear, I think a lot of people really do feel that if they sort of switch up their partner for a newer model, that all the problems won't follow them, but they absolutely do. Because what's the common denominator? It's us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what would be your approach then? How would you work with somebody like this? Similar to the things that we've already said around um, understanding why is it that you want to get back with your ex? What's driving that decision? Is that based on actually the the, is it based on a realization that they are different or that add more to your life sometimes we can we're in a situation where we kind of take for granted what somebody adds to us and how much value they add to our lives and then it's not until they're gone that we realize and when we're in it because we're taking it for granted we're not recognizing it so we're not aware of that and we think well they don't add anything to my life I'm quite independent I'm happy I don't need somebody else Mm. to add something to me then but then when they're gone and they're not there anymore sometimes you can have that realization Mm. that is well actually they meant a lot more to me than I thought they did so that could be one reason why you know you might want to reconnect but it's uncovering what are those reasons Mm. Um, and if it is just because you think you'll never find anybody else like that is not a valid reason Mm. and you will find somebody when you're ready and when you're open to it you won't find somebody if you believe that you're not worthy and you haven't got anything to offer that will be a barrier that will stand in your way ah so good huh okay that makes actually a lot of sense and and it is true that if you've taken somebody for granted then you've experienced some sort of growth in the interim Mm. it's actually been a positive change that you've made to start to realize that this person actually shares or brings a lot more to the table or honors your values in ways that you didn't didn't see before. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I read a little article just before we came on to record, which was about a couple who had got divorced, mm. but they had children, and one of them traveled quite a lot. So they decided to all carry on living together. And then about... <laughs> oh, God, okay. And then about 10 years later they actually decided that they would um, get it back on again together. And they kept their relationship secret for six months. 
so that they kind of secretly dated because they didn't want to tell their friends and family that they were getting it back on. And then they eventually kind of came out and told people (laughs) and then um, considered getting remarried. Some people didn't even know that they'd got divorced in the first place. Exactly. Oh, wow. That's an exceptional circumstance. So I think it goes to show, you know, if I'm going to have my open-minded hat on Uh and to think that anything is possible, then, you know, I would say don't rule anything out. But it is about making decisions and choices for the right reasons, I think, is what it comes down to. Yeah, I completely agree with that. When I'm thinking about two people who divorce but just stay in the same house, Mm. I'm thinking about my mom. My mom's sort of suggestion for success was every couple should live in a duplex, like in a townhouse Mm. where everyone has their own doors and their own space. Yeah side by side, uh, which she said could have saved their marriage, but my dad never bought a duplex and therefore they'd never made it. <laughs> but um, living arrangements are everything, right? Like there's, there must be, have been something in that divorce where they were living under the same roof. They must have made physical arrangements in their space, separate yeah. bedrooms, separate spaces that perhaps were all they needed to continue to get along with each other. And I, I'm sure it wasn't an easy 10 years, but... Yeah, and I think that raises the whole point, doesn't it? As well as taking people for granted, often we treat our partners in the worst possible way out of kind of anybody. Yes. You know, and then when I know I've been guilty of that in the past and and you look at that and you think, why is it that you would do that? You wouldn't treat a friend in the same way. But I think it's because you have this unique closeness and connection where you almost feel like you are part of the same person so it doesn't it kind of almost doesn't matter Mm. but it does it matters so much doesn't it oh well I'm thinking about when I went to Toronto and I lived with these wonderful roommates we Mm. had a chores list yeah bathroom was done every week kitchen was done every week we knew what we were doing much more respect in there there in that roommate relationship than in most marriages most marriages are like we don't need a chores list so what happens one person ends up doing one thing the majority of the time and they feel disrespected and taken for granted yeah but it's like in that instance so if you're in that situation where you you share them with um housemates you're unlikely to leave the milk out or the teaspoon on the side after you've made a cup of tea whereas when you were living with a partner that kind of happens all the time doesn't it that sort of stuff where but if you it's a bit like if you go on holiday with friends and you're sharing a room together you'd be a lot more polite and respectful of each other's space and being tidy and but if you go on holiday with your partner you wouldn't have the same that same level no bags explode yeah underwear and socks all over the place we don't put our bags away yeah exactly (laughs) That's a really interesting insight. Yeah. I like that story. Thanks for telling us that. Because like that opened up a whole new, like, ha- what does it say about a relationship that when you divorce and stay in the same house, you actually get along and you get back together? What does that say about what was missing in the relationship when you were married? It could be a number of things, couldn't it? So if 10 years have passed and children have grown up and sometimes it can just be that pressure of parenting together can be quite difficult Mm. and you know it could be I don't know maybe some external like family relationships or having to take care of you know somebody who's Mm. who's poorly I I think there could be a number of things that create this pressure cooker and maybe you're asking for more support than you're receiving and you've never quite got round to looking at those needs and how do you get them met and how do you change the situation and you know going back to those patterns of well it's easier just to walk away it is easier to walk away, but it doesn't bring you the happiness in the long run because you're just not ever 
learning how to deal with those issues, emotions and feelings that are coming up for you. Ah, completely agree. So it looks like our answer to that question is like, nah, (laughs) depends. Yeah. (laughs) It depends. I think it does depend though, because we are complex as um, human beings and each situation is unique. Mm -hmm. So I think it does depend. But I think the underlying message is, as long as you're doing it for the right reasons and you've addressed some of the things or you're prepared to work on some of the things that have come Mm. up and the reasons why you separated in the first place, then it can absolutely work. And Anna is living proof. For now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you've committed to it now. I've got every faith. That's true. But this COVID lockdown, I tell you. I tell you. Oh, man. One day at a time. Just one day at a time. Lockdown 2.0 has got a lot to answer for. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I just think of like, if we can make it through this, I mean, how amazing will it feel to be in a relationship when we can actually get on a plane to a beach and have a beautiful tropical alcoholic drink served Mm. to us? Sounds nice. Oh, Count me in. I know, right? (laughs) I mean, that's when I'm like, oh, I love my relationship. It's so easy. Well, and that that's the thing though, isn't it? When you haven't got those pressures of everyday life, life is suddenly simpler, <laughs> but it's not reality. We can't, it's true. unfortunately, unless we're in the Euro millions, which, exactly. you know, I'm still praying for, even though I don't enter. <laughs> Lottery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And their lives are hard. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's not a cakewalk to be driving around in a Lamborghini every day. <laughs> But listen, as much as it is, is a total breeze to live life unencumbered on a beach, I'll tell you, like, it, I think we could all use a bit more to be in a COVID lockdown around the world and to not mm. have any of that for such a prolonged period. I mean, just a little would be nice. Yeah. Summer 2021, I think, is where I'm putting my money. Yeah. Every beach will be full, standing room only. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. Yes, I'm hoping so too. So, I feel like we should move along to the question of the Let's week. Let's go, yes, I'm okay. ready. Okay, all right. So, this is a good one, Anna, this week. Oh. My partner isn't getting erections like they used to. Is it me? Ah, this is like my favourite. <laughs> This, this is, is my Anna's dream question this week. It's my dream <laughs> question. Oh, beautiful. Well, I have some ideas. Okay, it takes away. <laughs> so I see this in clinical practice all the time. What's shocking, though, is that when I do see it in clinical practice, people feel like they are the only ones. It's shocking mm. to me how people think that this is such a horrible occurrence that, oh my gosh, how could this happen to me? I don't want to talk about it. One situation comes to mind that I'll always cherish is a couple who came to me a few years ago and they came together with this issue. And it was a little bit of erectile stuff, a little bit of libido stuff. Um, It was a precious situation where it was a heterosexual couple and uh, the, the woman had a higher libido than the man. And they were more than happy to sit in a clinic room and talk to me all about it. He had some health issues But they were really open to just talking about it and just talking to their doctor and just telling me all the up, down, sideways of what was going on. They were so cherished to me because they were so rare. I rarely Mm. see couples in. Usually I see men in. And 
if I do see women in, oftentimes I see it in their anxiety and their problems mm. with sleeping because they're not talking and they're and they're internalizing their partner's erectile dysfunction or their erectile issues and saying, oh, it's me. It's my problem. Mm. And it means that they are not attracted to me. They don't find me attractive anymore. So usually I see this like stonewall of silence and it just devastates relationships. And I just wish that more would just come up and talk to us and because uh, mm. this is just so darn common. There are a few if I can. Do I have more time on the soapbox? Go, go. Ah, sweet. Okay. <laughs> so a lot of folks with penises, they believe that erectile function is just going to be with them for their lives. You know, obviously when you're young, there's often very spontaneous uh, erectile function and everything is fine. But usually it's a very common thing with, when folks start to age, and that can even be into your 30s, 40s, certainly into their 50s is when I start to see it in a big way, where folks won't get as spontaneous or as strong an erection as they used to. And it, it just can be so devastating and embarrassing for them. But it's a very, very common thing for a few factors. And health is one of them. And as doctors, we actually call the penis the barometer or the canary in the coal mine of your cardiovascular health. So if there's any issues mm -hmm. with your erectile function, the first thing that we're thinking about is the pipes. When we talk about the pipes, we're talking about all the blood vessels that supply every part of your body, including your heart and your brain and all that. So we start to think about all the usual things, your diet, your exercise, your cholesterol, your family history. But then there's a huge realm of anxiety, depression, and breakdown in communication and relationship. And those are huge things going on in erectile dysfunction. So we usually lean into as a, as a physician, and that's kind of uncommon. People are like, why is my doctor talking to me about my relationship? But I often talk about what's your stress level like? You know, are you sleeping well? Because if you're, if you're not sleeping well, then uh, it sets you up for poor uh, function. And then sometimes I find that like if there's been a little bit of a wane of erectile function, guys kind of lose their edge and their mojo and they get scared. And then and then it starts like an avalanche that starts to pile on, you know, one onto the other. So they kind of get performance anxiety. Mm. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff to address. But when addressing it in a, in a couple, and again, the question coming to us is my partner is having erectile dysfunction. So first yeah. of all, don't take it personally. Your best bet in terms of helping your partner is to get on the same side with your partner, even if it's related to their health, like diabetes or something like that, get on the same side, work together with each other for a solution. So usually mm. what happens is there's a lot of resentment and silence that starts to build up, like it's your fault or it's, you know, et cetera. The best success comes when two folk get on the same side with each other and start to pursue options, whether that's in the family doctor's office, in the urologist's office, or in the therapist's office, and start to look at solutions. And the biggest driver here is getting communication open. And it mm. sounds really lame because we talk about communication all the time, but you have to start to communicate. And same thing for women uh, or folks with vaginas is lubrication is something that also goes by the wayside. And again, we start to shame ourselves as that happens into our sort of middle ages around menopause and thereafter. But this is a function that can actually come back with a lot of communication, uh, working together, talking about what turns us on in bed. All those good things is, is actually starting to foster healthy sexuality with each other, which we may not have had to work on before, but into our middle ages, it's an opportunity and actually a necessity to start to talk and to work on our intimacy. Mm. All right, that's my time on the soapbox. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we've had a full education there, Anna. I love erectile dysfunction. <laughs> so that's like the medical side, but really from a coaching side of things, 
the coaching side is the tricky part, right? Because that's where all the communication and all the negative messaging comes in, like mm. those judgments onto ourselves. Yeah. And I think because the subject itself has got so much attached to it, then it's not generally something that people will openly discuss and share. Mm. And because of that, that just increases the levels of shame and guilt that go with it mm. and increases those anxiety messages that are going to be on replay in mm. in your mind. If you completely detach from what's happening and the impact that it's having and you say, we've got a problem, like any other problem or issue we might face as a as a couple together, what can we do about it? So, or how do we adjust to this new normal? So if it is something that's ne never going to come back, how do we adjust to that? And intimacy isn't just about full-blown sex. So there are other ways to be intimate with your partner. But I think it's natural and normal to think, it's me, I've, I'm the one that's created this. They're not attracted to me. If I was somebody else, then this wouldn't be happening. But if we can completely detach from that and say, you know, the flip side of that is, well, they have been attracted to you for a number of years, assuming that this is a long-term relationship. Why would that suddenly change? Mm. And try and, I suppose, deconstruct that message and yeah. break it down and, look, and start to look at it in some, some smaller manageable chunks. So I think the first thing is, if we assume automatically assume, well, it's not me, what else could be going on and ask that question instead, mm. it flips it on its head a little bit where you, you haven't got all of the pressure and emphasis on you. It's then just saying, well, this is happening. How do we deal with it? Just like we deal with any other issues that come along in the relationship. That's absolutely true. And that's really, that's really critical because I think what happens is a lot of the toxicity in the situation comes from the partner feeling really hurt and rejected. Mm. And that causes a massive toxic blast of emotions, of anger and of silence and so forth. Mm. So you're, you're absolutely right. Without deconstructing that, things often go very badly. Yeah. But you can get it from both sides, I think, because the person who's, who it's happening to, they then start to feel all of those levels of anxiety as well 100%. and can then often project those feelings onto the partner and then the partner then takes on that energy and they start to feel really, really bad. And, and the reality is you're both then pushing against each other rather than pulling together to solve the mm -hmm. problem. And it, it can end up becoming a bit of a tit-for-tat situation where you can see how it can quickly spiral out of control. It does. It absolutely does. So I think, yeah, addressing things really early on is quite key. Oh, completely. Yeah. Completely. And and remember that your sexual function is an autonomic or it's a relaxing activity. So, mm. so by that, I mean, uh, these are physiologic functions that don't happen under stress. So when we inflict stress with toxic communication and by doing the tit for tat, we are shutting down our sexual functions. So there's mm. nothing more deadly to an erection or to vaginal lubrication as toxic communication because mm. that makes us stressed out. And of course, yeah. there's then no hope of getting a healthy erection or of being aroused. Mm. If I were to say like in clinical practice, what are the two main, main reasons? Like the main, main reasons for waning uh, erectile function is generally cardiovascular disease. So just get on a treadmill, get your vegetables and stop smoking and stress sleep and depression yeah 
So it sounds like there's a couple of stages to work through. It sounds like there is the ability to look at the environmental and health factors, anything that might be contributing. So it sounds like that's the first step. The second step is really coming up with a plan together for how you're going to tackle it. How do we support each other and having an open conversation and then seeking some help, medical help and support as and when you need it. So it sounds like those three things are quite key. Totally. Mm. in no way there is hiding under a rock ever going to be part of the solution. <laughs> and I see a, most people hide under rocks. So if you find yourself or your partner is hiding under a rock mm. or stonewalling or refusing to talk, yeah, nothing good ever happens from that. Yeah. Yeah. The final thing that's coming up for me, just as we're talking through it, is around approaching the issue with compassion and curiosity. So if this was happening to a friend of yours, how would you deal with it? What would, how would you support them? It goes back to kind of yeah. what we're saying before about often the differences in, in the way that we treat each other from yeah. intimate relationships to those that are uh, friendship based. So instead of connecting it back to who we are, so it's saying automatically taking on that, mm. that ownership, well, it must be me, there must be something wrong with me. Mm. If we pop that aside and say, well, I'm absolutely fine the way that I am, there's nothing wrong with mm. me. Mm-hmm. I now want to get curious and I'm going to be really compassionate and try and support my other half because mm. if we do something from a place of love and understanding, you, we get much better results than we do if we're trying to force oh, yeah. an issue or push something. Oh, I love that. Actually, that was an amazing shift because just thinking about, let's say you have a male friend and he's like, look, mm. I'm having a problem. Oh my gosh, the compassion you'd have. And you, yeah. what would you start doing? Asking curious questions. Yeah. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't have the judgment in place. So removing yeah. that judgment and just trying to understand and, oh and seeing how you can support them. Now, isn't that an amazing reframe? I love that. Mm. Oh, I love that. That is critical. That is key. This is one of the main things that we don't talk about. Like if folks get married at an altar, we never make this as part of the vows. Like we say, you know, whatever, what are the traditional vows? Like in sickness and health, whatever. But like, yeah. Let's break down the sickness part. So when you, when one of your functions, when one of your sexual functions changes, evolves, or wanes, we never talk about supporting people through that. It's mm. just, it just, we immediately are like, oh, you must be having an affair. And I'm going to get all angry and defensive and toxic. And yeah, we don't come to the compassion. This, some of us in our vow is actually, you know, said mm. we'd give a good hack at. So book the doctor's office. Yeah. And book the coach. Yeah. And get some help and support if you need it. Yeah. So that was quite a little workout this week, Anna. <laughs> I think we uh, touched on all our fun uh, topics. <laughs> we did indeed, we did indeed. A bit of naughtiness before the holidays. And we found out a little bit more about your relationship with your man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just always teetering on the edge of a train wreck. But I'm always, I'm always happy to sort of chat about it. And I love your reflections on... Uh, <laughs> kind of bizarre thinking and motivation for our long-term relationship <laughs> <laughs> oh well i feel like i'm more ready now for the holiday season oh yeah yeah well, good yeah because we came in on this podcast not knowing where our christmas spirit was going <laughs> yes exactly and i do feel like i am more ready for christmas and as we know this episode will go out on christmas eve so yeah. I think it's only fitting for us to share a little message with the listeners. What do you think, Anna? Oh, yes, please. Okay. 
this year has been a year like no other I think that's <laughs> I think it started off with unprecedented times yeah. I think if I heard that um, phrase once I heard it a yes. million times yes <laughs> yeah but it is unusual times and mm. I think maybe it's a year for just letting things go and going with the flow and taking moments of joy wherever we can get them yes I love that Already I'm starting to feel more kind upon myself yeah. and that feels really nice. I think we're all needing that right now yeah. just to feel kind for ourselves. Yeah. So I think if you're with a partner, then be kind to you and to them. Mm-hmm. If you are single, then be kind to others. Check in with people that you know who are also on their own. Yeah. I loved the way that you brought in reframing and really thinking and being kind upon your partner, imagining that your partner is your friend who comes up to you with a similar issue. What kind of compassion would you have if this were not the pressure cooker of your relationship, if you were thinking about this issue through the lens of care and concern for a friend? Yeah. So that really flipped a switch for me. That really inspired me. So I, I love what you're saying. Be kind to one another and just, you know, flip your perspective. Just try it. Yeah, Uh, flip your perspective. Think about your relatives, your friends, your parents, your children, uh, your coworkers, and just think, what are they going through right now? Yeah. And again, you might be just really surprised to see this wave of compassion and affection come in. And that'll also help because again, judgment onto others is really coming from judgment for ourselves. So yeah, very wise words there. If we see the backside of 2020 with a bit more compassion, and maybe we've maybe we've taken something away out of this year. Yeah. So be compassionate, be kind, stay safe and sane. Oh, yes. <laughs> very nice, Sarah. And yeah, so we wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Yes. Enjoy your celebrations. Absolutely. And we're going to be here on New Year's Eve. We are, yes. We will be here on New Year's Eve with a great episode lined up and ready for that. Oh, yes. Very good. Okay. Stay tuned. Okay. We've got one more episode for 2020 yep. before we kick it out the door. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> kick and it then to the we'll curb. come back with a stronger, renewed energy for the new year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't we need it? <laughs> well, lovely. Till next week. All right. Bye. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.